0: Well, open your Bibles to Acts, chapter six. Maybe I'm talking too quiet, so we'll get. I'll speak up. Acts chapter six. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, the the core of the message. You know, last week we kind of had a special, a different gathering to pray for our community and do some different things and that was that was so good. Um, but two weeks ago we were talking about the the breaking down of barriers between the generations. Uh in the book of Acts that uh the, the filling of the spirit is the answer for the brokenness between generations. And so what we're going to kind of do, at least when I'm preaching, <laughs> the next couple weeks is looking at what the filling of the Spirit does to break down all kinds of different barriers. And so one of the first barriers, of course, we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about where when it says the Holy Spirit came and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will dream visions. There was going to be a breaking down of the, of the animosity or the, you know, the, the separation between age groups between different kinds of groups of people. You know, what did it say in Malachi? That uh, the heart of the Father would be turned towards the Son and the heart of the Son would be turned towards the Father in that day, that God was going to do something. In other words, when God does revival, there's going to be a turning of hearts. There's going to be a change of heart. There's going to be a transformation. One of the changes is, is between age groups. Because historically, you know, just... We all have different perspective and different age groups. Can we start judging each other? We start, you know, it's all through our nation right now. You've got different groups of people saying this and that. Uh, there, it's, there's all kinds of stuff that's being said. Uh, some of it's age-related. Some of it's race-related. Some of it's maybe religious or belief-related. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff being thrown around. Um but God wants to break down those barriers. He wants to do that. And the answer to that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus came and filled the church on the day of Acts 2, that that broke down barriers. That 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 removes separation. And we're going to look at one or two more today as we kind of travel through the book of Acts here. Kind of a summary travel. So, hope you like the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. What, man, what Pentecostal, spirit-filled person doesn't like the book of Acts, right? Uh, you, need, you need help if you don't like Acts. Um, and so, I want us to look at Acts chapter 6. So, what's been going on is Acts chapter 2, the church is formed. It says 3,000 people came into the kingdom. All kinds of miracles break out. There's amazing things happening. It says John and Peter go to the gate. And there's a beggar there. And they heal this guy who's been lame for like 38 years, his whole life. And he gets up and he walks and he dances. He's walking and leaping and praising God. And so the whole place is stirred. They get arrested. Uh, they get told by the Pharisees and the and the religious leaders, Hey, can you just stop talking about Jesus? Can you Can you just stop? So, because, the, you know, there's always people going to try to stop you from saying something about Jesus. You can talk about some vague God all you want. You can talk about something spiritual all you want. But when you, get, when you bring Jesus into it, it gets specific. Because Jesus is specific to say, hey, we're talking about this God. Not just some big guy upstairs. You know, the man upstairs. Uh, he ain't the man upstairs if you know him. You don't, you, we don't use that term anymore. When, when you know him, you know he's not just some man upstairs. We know him as his personal name. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth as a man, died just as we declared in that song. Uh, you know, just declaring the truth of God. There, are a lot of that's based on the creeds of Christendom throughout the centuries. Uh, this is what I believe. Uh, so powerful to, to do that. So, that happens and the and the apostles, they just say, thanks for that information, but we're going to have to obey God rather than you. Someday my kids are going to use that scripture against me. I'm going to obey God rather than you. <laughs> I'm going to go, wait a second there. <laughs> I was talking the other day about, you know, using spiritual, when your kids know the Bible, they try to use it against you. Were we talking about that, Dave? Or, I don't know who that was, but uh, that makes you know your Bible better. <laughs> okay? Because when you say, hold on, let me use the Bible back against you, and here's what God says. Uh, God did say, obey your parents. So, that's in the Bible. <laughs> don't, use the, don't use the Bible against me, boys or girl. So, anyway, they, were, they say, look, we can't obey you. We have to obey God. And so then the religious leaders are like, okay, we're going to whip you and send you away, and I guess hopefully you'll listen to us. They, they don't. Everything continues to break out. Then in chapter 5, there's this incredible account where there's these, these people come in and lie, and they're killed because of their lying. I mean, the presence of God is so strong that even one lie, you're dead. I mean, that's that's like the glory of God was so present in the church. That's why that's happened. You're like, hey, now people come in and lie all the time. Hey, look, the glory of God was present. It's like a special time. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there were some times when... Uh, okay, we're off track here. So, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> You're way off track? Okay. Are you all right here? Everybody good? Everybody get a seatbelt on, Okay. <laughs> Okay, So here's the deal. In the Old Testament, have you ever wondered why, you know, when they built the the tabernacle and it says Aaron's two sons go in, this is Leviticus chapter 10, and they don't do the sacrifice just right, and they die right away. But then you go on to 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, and it says that the high priest's sons were sleeping with women at the door of the temple, and they didn't get killed right away. Have Have you ever thought like, Why, like this guy offers a strange sacrifice, boom, you're dead. And then in a different time, this guy's doing the worst thing you can do imaginable right on the doorstep of the holy place of God, and they're still fine for a long, long time. It's because of the glory of God. When the glory of God is present in a special way, in a special way, in in a powerful way, then the game changes. That's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. You know, we've seen people lie to all kind, God, different people all the time, and like, hey, nothing happened to them. Look, this was a time where the presence of God was so strong that if you did something wrong, boom, it's, it, something's going to happen to you. You're like, okay. <laughs> I see your faces are like, wow. Hey, when the glory of God's present... I mean, it's like, it just squishes sin. It just, it just comes against it. It's not that Jesus hasn't covered sin. Uh, we're, not, we're not, thank the Lord that Jesus covers sin. That's our only hope. But when the glory of God is present, there's less, there's less excuses. There's less exceptions going on. You know, when the power and the presence of God, it happens all over the world. When there's a revival and something powerful, if God is doing something great, things happen. If you've ever watched some of the some of the movies that have been made by uh, Darren Wilson Finger of God Ministries or whatever it is, and he has stuff, it says you know they they have sometimes where there's there's these guys that have the presence of God or these people have the presence of God so strong in their lives they'll show up around where the witch doctors are and the witch doctor goes blind. But everybody else in the community is freaked out about the witch doctor. And rightly so, because they do have some power. They have a dark power working in them. But when the glory of God shows up, then the darkness has to bow to the light. So, anyway, that's free. Just in case you're ever wondering, like, hey, well, how come you got Ananias and Sapphira? And then you got all this, you know, then you can have preachers nowadays who are standing in the pulpit who are committing all kinds of sins, and you're like, God, nothing happens to them. Hey, they're not in the glory of God. So that happens. The apostles continue to do signs and wonders. And then, then there's a problem. The first problem in the church. Okay, it wasn't definitely not going to be the last, right? <laughs> hey, there's still people in the church. The church is the people of God. There's going to be problems. Look around at the people next to you. Okay, look around at them. They might cause a problem. Okay, one of these people in here might cause a problem, including me. Okay, you can look at me too. We're going to mess up. There's going to be problems. So right here, this wasn't a mess up. This was just an oversight. This was just an issue that came up. And it says this, verse 1, Acts chapter 6. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, against the Hebraic Jews. In other words, the ones who were native-born Jews against those who had come into uh, the faith from outside. And their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up the preaching the Word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch, they had them stand before the apostles, who prayed and then laid their hands on them. That was very important, right there. Uh, so the word of God spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient. To the faith, So get what, I mean, this is the first problem in the church, and they look for a spiritual solution, they seek God, and the apostles say, we have to do what God has called us to do, okay? It's not that they were above serving tables, it, it wasn't that they couldn't serve food, it wasn't that they were being all high and mighty, and, you know, Pastor John's now going to say, hey, y'all, when you owe deliver food, I'm out now, forget it. I'm, it says right here, I should just be praying and preaching the word of God, uh, that wasn't it. They knew what they were called to do so much that they're like, we can't stop doing what God has called us to do. And so, look, this is so important. We need, we need people to take care of this. We need someone to do this. And so, accidentally, this is, this is what I think. I think accidentally, the apostles, the people of God, stumbled onto something. And that was this. Now it's not just the apostles doing everything. Now it's not just the leaders doing everything. Now it's not just the the person up front doing everything, the person that we all know. In the Old Testament, that's how it was. But here's the deal. The filling of the Spirit was a marked change in the church, in the people of God, how God worked. It was no longer about the one anointed man or woman of God. It was now about the anointed community of God. And I think they stumbled upon something here By accident. That's just my opinion. That's totally John's opinion right there, okay? If you want to not believe that, that's fine. But here's the deal. Because after they lay hands on these guys, we never see them waiting on tables. I think they did it. But what happens? Stephen starts preaching. He's one of the, what is it, seven? Did they say seven? Okay. It's a good, good biblical number. Stephen starts preaching, and he's the first one killed as a martyr in the church. I mean, he is preaching so powerfully that you know you're preaching powerfully when all the religious people are upset. When religious people are upset, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> so, uh, that's what I look for on Sundays, okay? <laughs> nah, you aren't. You all aren't Pharisees, right? Uh, so, you know, so he starts preaching, and he's killed for his faith. It's supposed to be just handing out the food, man. How about this guy? Go to Acts chapter 8. So that's Stephen's story. We just know it says, it says when Stephen spoke, they couldn't stand up to him. He was so powerful in his words that no one could even argue with him. Like the, he was speaking, and they're, they're like, <laughs> the Pharisees are like, yeah, you should, yeah, kill him! <laughs> That's all they could say. They couldn't, they could not stop. It says they couldn't stand up to the Spirit by which He spoke. I mean, that's, to me, is a, that's a mighty preacher of God right there. He's supposed to be waiting on the tables, though. He's just supposed to be handing out the food. But you notice the apostles laid their hands on Him. So then you get Philip. Go to chapter 8. It says this. Philip, chapter 8 and verse 4. So those who were scattered, because there's a persecution that broke out. It says a great persecution broke out that day. When Stephen was killed, that there was like all these people that rose up. And uh, here's the deal. And got the church, the people of God, out of Jerusalem. Got them what, what they were supposed to be doing already. They were supposed to leave Jerusalem. Because Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You'll be my witnesses Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the ends of the earth. And so they were stuck in Jerusalem, and God says, guess what? I'm going, to send, I'm going to allow something to happen. I'm going to allow persecution in your life so you get where you need to go. Sometimes God will do that. He'll allow trials in your life so you get where you need to go. God, why is this happening? Well, you were stuck, and He wants to move you. Whew. Get back to the... Acts chapter 8, 4. Uh, so those who were scattered went on their way, and guess what they did? They were preaching the word. They're just sharing the good news of Jesus. And, excuse me, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I'm not sure if he just did the food delivery in the morning or what. But here's the second guy from this list and they lay hands on him and he starts doing what? The same things the apostles were doing. This is why I believe they kind of somewhat accidentally stumbled upon this because the apostles were trying to do everything and God had to cause a disturbance to say, this is supposed to be for everyone. Everyone's now a minister. So the filling of the Spirit was the breaking down of the barrier between, you know, some elite religious group and the regular people. So now that barrier does not exist in the Spirit. There is no difference between someone who's been called by God to be a pastor than someone who's called by God to be a school teacher. There's no difference in the kingdom. There's just a different calling. And each one of us, we need the infilling of the Spirit. We need the anointing of God in our lives to do what we've been called to do. And so Philip is a demonstration of that. It says that, you know, Philip begins to preach. All these people respond. Amazing things are happening. And, you know, eventually Philip, it says he goes out on some road and witnesses to some guy from Ethiopia who he comes to Jesus and then tradition says that that guy went back and that's how Africa was first being evangelized because of Philip talking to the guy in the chariot uh, just outside Samaria in the desert. Sometimes in the church, though, we've, we've gotten so stuck where we, we go back to the old way of doing things where it's only certain people can do certain things. Whether it's a mindset, whether it's a structural system, whether it's accidental. Sometimes it's accidental, I think, by us still in the church. We get stuck where it's like, yeah, yeah, let me let me do all that. It's like, no, wait, wait, we're supposed to all be a part of this. You know, one of our core values or or parts of our vision... I went back and saw the first sermon I preached. Uh, actually, that Ashley and I spoke together on the first Sunday that we were appointed officially as the senior leaders, senior pastors, co-pastors, whatever you want to call us, lead pastors uh, of this church uh, over 12 years ago. It's been 12. Whew, long time. And one of them is this: everyone a supernatural minister. I was like, oh man. I hope we haven't gotten away from that. I hope we I hope we haven't gotten off track where it's it's like yeah, certain people a superma- supernatural minister. No, everyone a supernatural minister. I mean, God was declaring it loud and clear in Acts chapter 2 when it says that the tongues of fire rested on everyone. Every, all one there was 120 people in the room. Some were some were just the, the, you know, one of them was probably Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, I mean, they were just people. There were 11 apostles left because Judas was gone. 11 disciples or people who were the trained, at least, by Jesus, who when people were probably looking to. It says Peter stood up as a leader, and they're like, okay, man, you're, you're in charge now. Uh, Jesus isn't here, but we're going to take a chance with you. Woo, big difference there, pal. Um... <laughs> And so what happens, the Holy Spirit comes, they're praying, and it says the fire went on everybody. I know we've preached this before, we have preached this before, I know that, I know my wife preached it several times. The fire was always a symbol of the presence and the power of God throughout the Old Testament. The fire would only come in certain places, come upon certain things, and here everything changes. And so we have to be careful that we don't get stuck in the old way of doing things, of waiting for one person to do something when God says, No, I've called you to do that. I've called you. And not only i have called you, I've equipped you. And so, if I have hindered you in any way, be released to be a supernatural minister. Do Do what God has called you to do. Be who God has called you to be. It doesn't have to be in the church. It doesn't have to be in this building. Do what God has called you to do. If He's called you to influence people at your workplace and be an evangelist there, then do what God has called you to do. If He's called you to be a prayer warrior where you're, you show up to people that will never show up to, people that will never meet me, God says, no, it's you. I've called you. I've anointed you. i put my fire upon you. You sang the song, you want the fire. He said, you got it. You want the fire? You got it. You want the presence of God? You got it. You already have what you've asked for. He has already promised it and said, you are enough. And everything begins to change in the church. They had to figure it out a little bit too. I mean, it's still just human nature for us to let somebody else do stuff. Have you noticed that? You walk by. <laughs> I mean, just something simple. There's trash on the ground. You know, do you ever notice trash on the ground? Let's be honest. Sometimes you haven't picked it up, right? I'm, I'm, I haven't either. Yeah, oh, golly, somebody littered. What's wrong with those people? People, people these days. Probably one of them millennials. <laughs> Everybody, it's all the millennials' fault. (laughs) All the trash, it's from them. (laughs) Okay? Whatever. You know, whatever, whoever we want to blame. Oh, it's probably this person. Oh, it's that person. Whatever. You know, what we can, just whatever person is not like me. Because it's definitely not me. When God's saying, hey, guess what? I put you in that place. Pick up the trash, man. Rather than pointing out, hey, this is what's wrong. He's saying, no, I put you here. You fix what's wrong. I've I've called you by name. In fact, I've not just called you by name. I've put my name upon you. It says he's given us his name. He He says you can now do things in the name of Jesus. You're now authorized. You're now commissioned. You're now filled. You're now marked. In the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter, in Revelation chapter 22, it says the people of God, it says they've got the name of God on their forehead. You've been forever marked by Jesus, because how is Jesus going to get everywhere if he doesn't mark you with himself and send you instead? And that's why Jesus said, it's better for me to go away to the disciples so I can send the Holy Spirit. In other words, so that you can become who I am to everyone on earth. I mean, it was very cool that God Himself dwelt in a human body and did these amazing things, but Jesus was still limited by time and space. He could physically not get to many places. I mean, it says, there were, sometimes there were crowds, there were so many in the crowd, they couldn't even get near Him because the crowds were so much. And Jesus says, look, it's better that I leave. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, the fire is going to spread everywhere. You're going to be marked with My name and then you're going to go out and you're going to minister the life and presence and truth and power of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Let's turn there. We'll close here. We're getting close to closing. Maybe this is just the last turn. Maybe it's NASCAR. We're going to do 100 laps. I don't know. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I love this scripture. This This was my Bible college graduating class theme scripture. Okay? And it says this, But you are a chosen race or a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Yours may say a people belonging to God. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so here's the deal. This is Peter later on in his life when he's had a lot more revelation from God and God's shown him some stuff and he's saying, guess what? You are a royal priesthood. And for Peter to say that as a Jew did not make any sense in his head, but it made sense in his heart. Because the clear separation in the Old Testament was these are the priests, everybody else is not a priest. What did the priests do? They ministered unto the Lord. They performed sacrifices. They they were in the presence of God. And so now Peter's saying, guess what? He's saying, everybody now, all the people of God now, you are now the priesthood. So now, guess what? You can minister to God. That's amazing that I can offer God something that pleases Him. That I can... Give an offering of worship. He says, "Okay, you, you're going to now minister unto the Lord. Hey, your greatest ministry might be just ministering to Jesus, just giving Him praise and an offering of worship, an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of brokenness, an offering of humility, an offering of love unto Him. What if that's what if that's what God's called you to do? I mean, there's this lady that shows up when Jesus is born. It says she her husband died when she was really young, and then for Anna, uh, what does it say? For the rest of her life, till she was 80 years old, day and night, all she did was minister to to the Lord. She just worshiped God. Oh man. That, talk about someone you walk up next to and you got the glory of God there. Anybody who ministers unto the Lord, because when you minister unto the Lord, when you're in presence of God, guess what? You get filled up. You, you get filled up, and then when you go out, because you will go out and see other people, you probably aren't just going to stay in your bedroom and pray all the time. Uh, most of us have have to get out and work and relate with family and go to family events and go to birthday parties and do all the things that we have to do and mow the lawn, whatever. We have to be out, and God's saying, guess what? While you're out, while you're out, just like Philip, it says, as he was going... <laughs> Oh, I'm in Samaria. I'm going to do something. He's like, whoa, hello. Samaria is on fire now. Samaria has the presence of God. Samaria has the glory of God. Things are happening. Why? Was Philip special? No. Not any more special than you or me. He was just supposed to hand out the food. But he had the mark of Jesus. He had the presence of God in his life. And he became who he was called the to be and it's as you are ministering unto the Lord and as you go that you'll become who you're called to be you're like man I don't even know what I'm called to do I don't know what's going on hey well get with Jesus and minister to him and then try something what if you're the person that prays for people and every time you pray they don't have any more depression what if that's like your thing you're just like the depression get rid you know the, the depression destroyer what if, what if you're the one who every time you see people you you've just got a scripture for them you get full of the word of god so much and then whenever you just hand out scriptures all the time who's the who's the brother who's the who's the pastor that goes to the hospital all the time tell me his name again i can't remember his name Brother Bob, Porter, like I ask everybody, and I hear it like thirty different times all at once. Have you have you ever been in the hospital? Has anybody ever been in the hospital? Okay, and guess what? Have you been visiting someone in the hospital? I guarantee you, unless you're only there at midnight, that Brother Bob is going to come by and hand you a piece of paper. Right? How many have been handed a piece of paper by Bob? Look at that! Look at this room. That's incredible. I've got several pieces of paper from him. Uh, you know, not, cause I haven't, thankfully, I haven't been in the hospital, but I've been in there for other people, and I show up there more than some, but, and guess what? I show up there, he's there. Almost every single time. I mean, are you thinking, like, here's a guy who says, guess what? I'm gonna go to the hospital every day, and I'm gonna hand out the word of God, and I'm gonna bless people, and he'll pray for you, or whatever. You know, he, he just kind of feels everybody out, you know? He's like, here you go, got this for you, this is a blessing. If you're kind of open, he might stay and talk with you. If you just go, eh, he goes, God bless you. He doesn't try to force anything. He's doing what he's called to do. There's some supernatural stuff. I mean, I'm blown away just by how many people raise their hand. But think about how, how, how simple that is. I mean, that's so simple. I me mean, put some of those pastors to shame. Like, it's so simple, he's just there all the time. But he's been called to do that. Somewhere along the line, God put something in his heart and said, this is what I want you to do. And guess what? He's blessing Midland. I bet you if we if we went around to churches all over Midland today and said, do you know, if we would just describe him. Maybe you don't know his name, but have you met this little brother who comes in and hands you the paper with a scripture on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thousands upon thousands of people. We're talking about one person who's impacted thousands in Midland that we all know his name. Or some of us do, I don't. (laughs) I do now. (laughs) Incredible. What can God do with one person? He needs all of us. Hey, all of us aren't going to go hand out stuff at the hospital. Brother Bob's doing a good job. Maybe there's two or three others that need to do it. I'm not saying we shouldn't add more. But who knows what it is? What if, at hey, your workplace, you're the scripture person? I don't know. But if you get with Jesus, he's going to tell you. What if you're the one who's the inviter? I'm just an inviter. I'm going to invite people to show up in, at Jesus meetings. Whether that's in my house, whether that's in somebody else's house, whether it's a church building, whether it's a concert hall, whether it's, you know, out on some field somewhere. I'm just going to invite people to show up with me to somewhere where there's something about Jesus going on, and you're the inviter dude or dudette and God's going to supernaturally empower you when you invite people some that wouldn't normally respond are going to go yeah I'll do that and you're like oh wow I didn't expect you to say yes <laughs> because there's something supernatural going on it's kind of like Philip he starts praying for people he gets he gets laid his the apostles lay their hands on him and he starts handing out food, and then he's like, man, I've got an itching to do something more than just hand out food. So he hands out food, let me pray for you too. And he's like, something happens. Well, maybe I should go somewhere else other than just the food pantry place. I'm going to walk around and see what happens, and then revival breaks out. I don't know. But here's the deal. The filling of the Spirit means the barrier between, there's no barrier between the clergy I don't really care for that word. (laughs) The clergy and the people. There's no separation now because we're all the sons and daughters of the king and we've all been given the same Holy Spirit. We've all been given the same assignment that says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. So what has God called you to do? What has He called you to do? You're like, well, I can't do that. I can't do this. Well, hey, get with Jesus and find out what He says you can do. Just like Tommy was given the word from the Lord earlier. It's like, hey, quit declaring what you can't do and start saying who you are. Because some of us, we just need the confidence to know that who I am in Christ Jesus is Enough. That's why it's so important. If you just need to read it, Ephesians one, is great. It's a good place to start. There's other places, but find out who you are in Christ and start declaring that over yourself. It sounds really bad. I mean, then it, sound, it sounds even a little weird when Tommy's given the word and he's saying all these amazing things. I hope you don't mind me using you, brother, but uh, he's saying all this. I'm good. I'm not evil. Hey, you need to make that declaration. You need to make that declaration. I'm not evil anymore. I've been redeemed. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm a different person now. That is, I am not evil anymore. I am good. I am a good person. And again, that doesn't get us to heaven, but it means I am doing good. I am a, I am a kind person. I am an anointed person. I am a joyful person. I am a peaceful person. I am a listening person. Whatever it is, declare something over yourself. Declare the truth of Jesus over your life so that we live life out and we'll, it'll be natural we won't have to work it up. You don't have to work it up when, it, when it's Jesus. You don't have to create it. You know, if God's going to open the door. All He wants you to do is you have to walk through it. You do have to walk through the door. It says He opens the doors that no one can shut and He shuts the doors that no one can open but He doesn't say He walks through the door for you. It says He opens it and invites you to say come on, let's go through this door. Check out what's, what I'm going to do here. And you're like, yeah, let's, when Jesus is waving you on, you want to check it out. Check, go, go see what it is. It might be way scarier than you thought, but go see anyway. It's like, God, that's out of my comfort zone. Yes, it is. That's why I sent you the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. He's with you. I'm going to make you have a reason to need comfort. Have you ever thought about that? I'm not sure you have. He sends the comforter because he's like, look, your life's going to be very uncomfortable now that you're a believer. You're going, to, you're going to need someone walking with you. I've not called you to comfort. I've called you to mission. I've called you to love. It's not comfortable to love. It's not comfortable to love, is it? Man, there's some people, they are not very lovable. It's not comfortable. They, <laughs> Everybody don't look at somebody that's, that you live with, Okay. <laughs> It might not be comfortable, but, she, but there is love. <laughs> the love of Jesus is greater than that discomfort, okay? I promise you. But here's the deal. It's like you've got you to step out. And so my encouragement to you today is that you are enough, that the Spirit of God in you is enough, and that He has called you to something amazing. It may be simple, but it's amazing. If it's simple like Brother Bob, then go do it. Just go do it. You don't have to go preach on the streets. If God tells you to, great, preach on the street. But everybody's not going to preach on the street. But everybody can do something in the kingdom of God. Amen? So let's just stand up. Jesus, we just thank You for encouraging us. Lord, we want to be be encouraged when we gather together. And we are now being sent out to a week of ministry. We are now starting the ministry right now as we leave this building. We thank you that the ministry of heaven is happening. I thank you that you have commissioned every single person in here and said, You are enough! You are enough! You are enough! And we silence the voice of the liar that will say, You can't do anything for God. No, you can and you will. You will do beyond what you could ask or think. We thank you, Lord, that you allow us to walk in the humility and the grace to where we are, we are just, we are your servants, but we are also your friends, God, where we can just come under your authority and release the kingdom of God. We can release the love of God. We can release the presence of God wherever we go. Lord, and I just thank you for giving us eyes to see. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see that we would see opportunity, God. You see possibility and opportunity everywhere. You said the harvest is plentiful. Lord, you didn't look around and see what wasn't there. You saw what was there. Help us to see what is there, not what isn't there, God, that we might call forth the things of the kingdom and see them released in our world. God, we need that in our community. God, we need that in our schools. We need that, Lord, in every neighborhood, in our city. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord. And we just say right now, if you're willing to say, here am I. Say, here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. Send us Lord where you want us to go in Jesus name. Amen. 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 You are blessed be blessed ladies guys.